WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Wrestling Blood Podcast. It's time to discuss AEW All Out. We promised you a review, we promised that we wouldn't pay for it either, but somehow I was able to find a cheeky stream. Thank you very much, watchwrestling.in. Don't all flood it at once, otherwise they might work out what we're up to. AEW All Out was last night. What an interesting evening of professional wrestling, and I use that term astonishingly loosely when it comes to quite a few of the matches on this card. Now, I actually took the liberty of watching the pre-show because I have no life. Uh, Of course I don't, otherwise I wouldn't be watching this. (laughs) Easy to say in hindsight. Pre-show was okay. Uh, Immediately a red flag, though. Uh, As people would have remembered from the State of Wrestling Address this week, when we previewed this pay-per-view, I've been very honest about AEW and their shortcomings as of late, which is something that cannot be said for a lot of their fanbase, who love to bury their heads in the sand. I am not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you what I saw. And it's a big difference. So, no Captain Positivity, Captain Honest. You know, there's 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 a difference between being positive and being blind. And that is a problem that was evident in this pay-per-view. So if you're expecting me to suck AEW's dick for the next hour, you are extraordinarily in the wrong place. At the pre-show, red flag, like I say, Joey Janela goes over Serpentico. Okay. <sighs> Time to start upsetting people. First of all, Serpentico reasonable look doesn't belong on this show doesn't belong on a platform of this level as far as i'm concerned indie guy with a mask doesn't bother me uh gimmick is weak at best could have some potential i suppose if you use tv uh, what bothers me is that i actually really like joey janela and i know that a lot of people see him as a garbage wrestler but i really like joey janela i think he's actually really underrated he's a great promo i like his look it's a little bit ridiculous and over the top but that's wrestling and I don't mind a bit of ridiculous and over the top if it comes with conviction so you have this big old pay-per-view right nine matches on the main card two matches on the pre-show you found room on the main card for the likes of QT Marshall Colt Cabana you know Eva Luno Stu Grayson that's not a problem I like those guys Dustin Rhodes was there, QT Marshall, like I say, uh, you know, other guys as well, you know, uh, a multitude of guys who were in the Casino Battle Royal, you know, to mention but a few, but you couldn't find room for Joey Janela, a guy who can cut a promo, which a lot of your roster can't, a guy who can separate himself, when I see Joey Janela, he looks different to everybody else on the roster, 
I like the look. I like the quirkiness. I like the pigtails. I love his combination with Sonny Kiss, the Concrete Rose, who I am a huge fan of as well, who we didn't get nearly enough of on this show. You have potential with certain individuals. And instead, you are wasting week after week after week of TV time on guys like Orange Cassidy. Which is not a problem. I like Orange Cassidy. But you're telling me that Joey Janela, the best you can do for him is a throwaway match against a guy in a shitty mask with a so-called deathmatch legend in Luther who, let's be frank, looks like fucking garbage, okay? And I swear to God, has only got a job because he's Jericho's buddy. Like, I don't care about this guy. I'm sure he's got a lot to offer. And... Having him backstage, fantastic. He doesn't need to be out there. He doesn't need to be on your roster at all. Nobody gives a shit about Lufa. Nobody's. I'm sorry, but nobody's paying to see Serpentico or Lufa. And nobody's going to pay to see Joey Janela because you won't fucking book him properly. It's disappointing. Reasonable match. Completely forgettable. Also on the pre-show. Uh, private Party as well went over the Dark Order. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm about to say this. Now, they went over Alex Reynolds and John Silver, who have been essentially the jobbers of the Dark Order. I swear, to, I can't even remember the last time, if ever, they've actually won a match. I don't care. But they're really good workers, these two lads. Now, Private Pie, I think, have a huge upside. They are very much like... Um, they're kind of like AEW's answer to the Street Profits, in a way. I love the fact that they're African-American. I love the fact that they're open and honest about their personalities. I like the fact that they're out there. I think they're a great representation for their community, for their culture. And not only that, they're fucking entertaining. And they're insanely athletic. And again, you found room for the Natural Nightmares. You found room for Zack Ryder. <laughs> You know, but you couldn't find room on the main card for Private Party, who, frankly, you have done a massive disservice to for the better part of six months. Since they beat the Young Bucks on, I think it was like the second or third episode during that tag team title tournament, they have done quite literally nothing. They haven't done anything. You associated them for a couple of weeks with Matt Hardy, and you thought, oh, this might be interesting. Maybe he's going to mentor them, and they're going to go on this big tag title run. No, nothing couple of throwaway matches against bigger teams that nobody remembers. You need to do better with talents like Private Party. Come on! Private Party are one of the most exciting and highest potential tag teams you have. And you are not doing anything with them. But you are with, let's be frank, a lot of guys who shouldn't even be on your fucking main roster and a few WWE rejects to boot. Fucking disappointing. I was... A little bit stunned. And if you told me <laughs> um, before this show had begun that at the end of the night, this would have been one of my favourite matches of the entire night, I would have laughed in your face. But this was a really high quality match. A little bit high spotty, but I don't mind that because it's on the pre-show and it's two teams that are you know, being forgotten, that have kind of been left in the shuffle a little bit. I thought this was a great demonstration of all of their abilities. Highly athletic. I'm not, you know, crazy about a bombardment of high spots but when they're done properly and they are just so snap and exciting in that pwg style element you know very much like pro wrestling gorilla does out in Reseda, i kind of dig it and i really enjoyed this match and private party going over i mean they had to really and then things kind of just go meh <laughs> so it's a pay-per-view it's Allegedly, one of your biggest, if not your biggest, pay-per-view is All Out, slash All In, Shake It All About, which I still demand a pay-per-view of. 
Big Swole opens up against Britt Baker in their tooth and nail match. Now, it turns out they had gone for a more, and I use inverted commas here, cinematic touch. Let's get right to it. This was fucking atrocious, okay? This was a terrible, terrible, again, inverted commas, match. Because it's not a fucking match. Uh, I think Big Swan and Britt Baker are actually very good. Britt Baker, I don't think is a very good worker, but I think she's a fantastic character and a great promo. A reasonable worker, and she can have good matches, but she needs to be in there with really good talents. Big Swan for me, not as hot on the character, but love the worker. Um, I actually wish she was uh, bringing her Twitter uh, character to the forefront a little bit more. Um, she's a little bit over the top, but I respect her and I appreciate her level of work and I like her and I like her look. She's beautiful, she's powerful, she's sexy. She's got a fantastic look. She really jumps out on the screen on you. Uh, this did not, however, jump out of the screen on me. This was fucking terrible. And systematic of the problems within AEW. What's the first thing that people were saying? Oh, when AEW said, "Oh yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be proper professional wrestling. We're not gonna be ridiculous, over the top sports entertainment." Now, to completely clarify, I enjoy some ridiculous, over the top sports entertainment. I saw some fuck nuggets, some idiots. Not gonna call you out, but ultimately, I saw some AEW marks because that's what they are. Massive apologists claiming that this was excellent, that this was entertaining, that if you like Bray Wyatt and stuff but you didn't like this, that you're a hypocrite and you're a problem. Fuck you. There's a very good reason why this was shit and something like Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse, which is up for debate, I enjoy it personally, there's a reason why for me, Bray Wyatt's work, uh, a stadium stampede even, is a lot better than this. Because it's delivered better, because it has stars in it, because the quality of the content was excellent. Whoever put this, whoever put this match together, this is fucking shit. It was a couple of people brawling in what was essentially a dentist parlour. I mean, it, it was garbage. It was tacky, it was cheesy, it was un... I mean, bearing in mind... We have seen some cheesy stuff that I've enjoyed. You know, I like the ninjas on Raw. I like the Firefly Funhouse. Even the Stadium Stampede, although a little bit distasteful in places, I thought was, you know, reasonably good fun. And just so crazy, you kind of enjoyed it. But there was a lot of effort put into the craziness of it. Even though it was camp. Even though it was a bit ridiculous. There was so much effort, so much energy, and so many good moments to remember. With this, this was just a really fucking low rent. This felt like a couple of college students were given a camera and were told, hey, film what you think could be a funny wrestling match in your dentist chair. What the fuck was this? You know, the needle injection, the terrible power drill spot where it's clearly very easy to pull it out. But she's like, oh no, it's stuck. I'm holding it here. It's stuck. Fuck you. You're insulting people's intelligence. And frankly, people have paid 20 quid, $40, whatever it might be, to watch this. And you open up with this shit? Absolutely not. I'm grateful I didn't pay money for this pay-per-view. Because I don't think it was worth the money. I'm just going to go on record as saying that there are some things, there are some positives, but there's a lot of negatives. And for the price, for you to open up with a piece of shit like this, no, that pisses me off. It was an absolute dumpster fire. It was terrible. It did nothing for either woman. Thank God Big Swole won. That's the only positive I can give you from this whole thing because, frankly, if she hadn't got the win. Oh, the only other positive, and i got to give credit to her, I actually thought Rebel was really good in this. I thought she was very funny. Uh, the spot where she had a banana, <laughs> banana skin on her head, I thought was reasonably funny. I like that bit of it. So it's not a complete loss, but the majority of this should have been burnt down. This was a terrible idea, particularly when 
you know, Britt Baker, she needs more ring time. And Big Swole is a good worker. So you take them completely away from their element that makes them quite good. Useless. Utterly useless. And not only that, it was really constricted. Um, you know, congested. The area that they were working in, there wasn't much room. You know, it was like such a tiny little area. It just, it didn't seem to work at all and some people have tweeted me I saw people saying like you know oh I thought it was excellent that was hysteric some people actually thought that was excellent you people are fucking retarded if you think that's excellent and if that offends you don't fucking listen to the rest of this podcast because you're going to be even more offended that pisses me off beyond belief that people think this is excellent you know don't make excuses for shitness and don't have a go at people who don't like crap you know there's a Hey, I know it's subjective. I know certain things are enjoyable. This is universally hated. I feel like people who are, you know, shall we say diehard AEW fans, they're hardcore apologists, they'll swallow any kind of shit. They really will. They're the kind of people who go to, you know, they say, oh, I don't want your negativity. Fuck you. People like you are fucking snowflake cunts. You piss me off. How can you honestly sit there and say, oh, well, um... You know, I, I don't want to get in an argument because it's not positive enough. Fuck you. It's called criticism. It's called constructive criticism. It's called doing better. That's why you won't fucking do anything useful with your life. That's why you probably spend literally your whole life on Twitter. Because, frankly, you can't achieve anything because you're so upset about the idea of someone telling you that something isn't good. Newsflash, this wasn't good. In fact, it wasn't even fucking subpar. It was fucking cancerous it was garbage it was insulting and the fact that you put it at the top of your pay-per-view is a fucking joke we have loved AEW since the beginning just like we love wwe we love all wrestling when it's done well this is not fucking good on any level and when AEW gives us a big steaming plate of dog shit we have a right as human beings and consumers particularly who have well for the majority of you mugs who have paid for it we have a right to complain you know, you wouldn't have this mentality if you went in a restaurant. Hi, can I have the uh, filet mignon? Certainly, sir. About ten minutes later, out comes a fucking gigantic horse turd on a plate with a big middle finger from your waiter. What do you say? Oh, well, I don't want to be negative, so I'll just eat the shit. Of course you fucking don't. You say, oh, wait, cunt. What the fuck is this? And that's exactly what you should be doing with this opener. Hot garbage. <sighs> Luckily, the egos of the Young Bucks are here to save us because it's the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have such an upside. Not only from a comedic standpoint, they could have their own cartoon, frankly. Not a big fan of Marco Stunt. I think he's a bit of a joke. He's utterly pointless. They have so much upside, especially Jungle Boy. This kid looks a million dollars. He can wrestle like no one else. He's so athletic, but he can also do all the technical stuff, the ground-based stuff. And one of the things that they have fucked around with relentlessly is not knowing whether to pull the trigger on him or not. Oh, we're having him against NJF. Oh, but he'll lose. Oh, we're having him against this guy. Oh, but he'll lose again. He always seems to lose all the time. The baby face, I get it, especially if you're working from underneath. You're not always going to win all the time. In fact, sometimes you might lose more than you win. That That's not necessarily a problem either. But when you literally have no notable wins under your belt, because you consistently get jobbed out to the guys that they have more faith in, 
it, it really weakens the product. And once again, the egos of the Young Bucks, the people that everyone think are fucking, can do no wrong, the guys who love the smell of their own shit at this point, and I used to enjoy the Young Bucks work to a certain extent, but they're so fucking overrated. Spot monkeys, flippy doopy, you know, they love the fucking gymnastics. That's great. That has a place. But it is not at the peak of tag team wrestling. Their egos have got in the way. It's funny because a lot of people out there are criticising someone like Cody. Saying, oh, you know, he just he can't get out of his own way. Actually, Cody has done so much more than the rest of the elite to make this product good. I feel like he has worked incredibly hard. Omega was doing okay. He's fallen into this, you know, it's it's almost like him and the Young Bucks turn up at work and go, how can we put ourselves over, guys? Oh, let's go over Jurassic Express. How does it benefit Jurassic Express to lose to the Young Bucks on pay-per-view? It doesn't at all, particularly when they haven't got any notable wins. How does it benefit the... The Young Bucks don't need this win either. They don't. Their prominent storytelling moment right now is that they basically have had enough of Hangman Page. They come across as massive heels, which, to be fair, I think they've done a reasonably good job at. Because... I've never been a monstrous fan of them. I've always enjoyed a certain degree of their work. But right now I'm thinking, what a pair of fucking dickheads. You just kicked your mate to the curb. And that's good. I've been worked. That's how I'm supposed to feel. But I don't need to see them go over Jurassic Express. Not only that, there's no build to this match. There's no real premise to this match. It's just like, yeah, well, you fuck it. You're two good tag teams. What? This? Come on, this is pay-per-view. You've you're charging people for this. Yo, Tony Khan, you want to charge people 20 quid for a show where you don't want to give them any fucking build unless it's your best friends? Fuck off. That's what this is becoming. This show is becoming, you know, best friends territory. And that's alarming, to say the very least, because I'm not interested in watching all your mates run around. By the way, where were, um, where the, where were the actual best friends? <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> like they they're good they're credible they've actually been for my money the mvps of the pandemic era uh particularly trent i think he's been fantastic nowhere to be seen what the fuck you know i, I know they're in a casino battle royale but i mean from a tag team perspective piss me off you know and this match having jungle boy lose once again and take the pin as well you don't have a fucking clue how to build a star do you no, because you're too busy sucking your own dicks. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, you know, they're high-fiving each other, dick-swinging contest backstage. Look at our amazing rivalry that we've got with Hangman Page, which ultimately has been a good slow-burn storyline, but that's the problem. Too slow-burn. It's taken for fucking ever, and we'll get to that, because it still hasn't got really a completion as of yet. But, yeah, I it pissed me off. Now, the Casino Battle Royale, for me, was good fun. Bit of a clusterfuck, as you would expect. 22 minutes 15 of utter, utter carnage. Uh, I love Eddie Kingston. I love the fact that he's kind of become the um, the spokesperson while being, you know, this still this kind of almost serial killer assassin of wrestling. I love Eddie Kingston because he's fucking real. Eddie Kingston knows how to cut a fucking promo. Eddie Kingston is so relatable. And with the Lucha Brothers behind him, with Butcher and the Blade behind him, they get a certain level of credibility. They get a certain level of boost from that as well. That excites me. It really does. And yet, they're dwindling around in the mid-card. You know, not really doing a great deal. 
make less time for your fucking friends and make more time for guys like Eddie Kingston. Now, admittedly, he got to the end of this match. Lance Archer is your number one contender for the AEW Championship. I think this is a brilliant booking decision. One of the few booking decisions that I really appreciated on this evening. It's one of the major positives from this show. Lance Archer is a legitimate beast. He has got an amazing look. He's got a fucking legend. I mean proper legend in his corner, in Jake the Snake Roberts, who is also a great mouthpiece, and I think Lance Archer can actually talk um, just as well himself. I love Lance Archer. I think he has the potential to be an absolute destroyer of men. It's just a shame that they kind of pulled the rug out from underneath him a little bit and had him lose to Cody in the final. I get it, someone had to lose that match. and It's not necessarily a fact that I hate that he lost to Cody. It's the fact that he lost fairly early on. You know, He'd only been in the company two or three months, and then boom, he loses. Like, oh, okay. He kind of came in with the sole purpose of dethroning Cody and, you know, showing Caesar who was boss, so to speak. And then, yeah, we just got that. And it was like, oh, okay, it's done now. And then ever since, he's been dwindling around, having nothing rivalry. So very pleased for him. And I'm hoping that this is going to be built the right way. And ultimately, I would like to see him be the next champion because I'm getting a little bit tired of the championship run of one Mr. Moxley, which we're going to discuss a little bit later as well. Still, good match. Plenty of good spots. I'm, gl- I'm really glad. I'm really grateful. Uh, a few little things I really enjoyed. Sunny Kiss eliminating Jake Hager was great. Sadly, we didn't get nearly enough of Sunny Kiss. I really liked the push of, uh, I think his name's uh, Hogs? Will Hogs? Wade Hogs? Um, either way, he is a hog. A fucking big old lad. This big old unit of a man. Um, he had a great showing in this match. Big old powerhouse. I fucking love Lance Archer's facials as well when he's standing behind. He's like, I've got to die. Like, he's just, he's so good, Lance Archer. So wickedly underrated as a big guy. One of the best big men in wrestling. Thrilled that he's on a good platform before. Him and Cage, uh, you know, a few guys, they put together some fantastic spots. Matt Seidel um, was the joker, so to speak. The, you know, the wild card guy, the guy who came in last. Um, he immediately botched the shooting star press. Obviously, I'm grateful and happy that he's not injured. At the same time, it was kind of amusing. And also, it's Matt Seidel. You know what, AEW fans? You're always out here going, oh yeah, I love this because it's not WWE. But yet, you seem to be very obsessed with cheering the use of multiple guys who were in the WWE system. Or didn't do that well in WWE. And... I like Matt Seidel, but I think he's got an incredibly low ceiling, and it was not a massive surprise for me. I thought we might get, I know, uh, it's a bit hypocritical for me to say after what I've just said, but, you know, someone like Rusev, for instance, has monster potential now that he's left WWE. A Chris Hero is a legend of wrestling, well before he even got to WWE. Those guys have a lot more cachet than someone like Matt Seidel. And, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm pleased that he's in the company and I hope he's going to stick around and have some good matches. I've seen him do some great work, but ultimately, Impact Wrestling got the most out of Matt Seidel. And here he is, a bit of an afterthought, and I imagine he'll get lost in the shuffle pretty quickly. So, although I'm pleased to see him, and I know he's mob boy Aaron Cruz's favourite wrestler, and I'm sure he's very happy about it, I just don't see him going very far, particularly as you don't have a cruiserweight or an X-Division title to speak of that can really kind of help cement the high flyers. And the problem is, you've already got enough belts as it is, so I don't see them introducing a belt like that, and it will just water down the system. Too many belts as it is, you know. It's almost like participation medals at this point. But, that being said, this was definitely one of the bigger highlights of the night. Not necessarily from a match quality, but I'm really pleased that Lance Archer won. 
However, the next match is... This is where things are going to take an ugly turn. Matt Hardy takes on Sammy Guevara in a Broken Rules match. Already I had a problem with this, because obviously, if Matt Hardy loses... Then he quits AEW. Now, we know he's not going to quit AEW. So, immediately, I'm fit sitting here thinking, right, Sammy Guevara is one of your best-looking and most exciting talents. He's he's so good-looking. He's so charismatic. He's so good on the microphone. His gimmick is great. He's a fantastic little douchebag. He's kind of like the brat son of the inner circle. He has such a huge, huge upside. And here he is scrapping away with mid-40s broken Matt Hardy, who said he wasn't going to be broken Matt Hardy and then turns up as broken Matt Hardy. He goes on YouTube and says, oh, I'm not going to do any gimmicks anymore. I'm just going to be normal Matt, okay? You're just going to get normal Matt. And then he, after about three weeks, he's like, oh, I'm broken again. What the, what the fuck? Terrible. Terrible. I don't know if Matt's responsible for that, but that's fucking dog shit booking. And the promos haven't been strong either. Even though this rivalry had a nice little build. Sammy Guevara needs wins. He needs to be pushed more. This is really becoming the running story of AEW. Let's push the guys who are our friends. Let's push the guys, you know, who Tony Khan thinks are funny. Who Tony Khan likes. No, push the guys who are going to make you fucking money. Like Sammy Guevara, you fucking idiots. But no. And you think that's the biggest problem for this match? Well, it's clearly not. Because it turns out Matt Hardy got a se severe concussion and needed to be rushed to hospital after this match. So, as a rundown for the very few people who are sleeping under a rock and haven't seen this. During the match, they take this insane bump off of a platform of some sort. Onto concrete. Through a table. What the fuck are you playing at in the first place? You know, it's a controlled environment as well. You could have filmed that spot prior. And even if you did and you got injured, what the fuck is wrong with you? No. Do not use this. Do not do this. Or if you're going to do these crazy spots, do you know what? I give WWE a hard time and people say, oh, fuck's sake, you can clearly see there's a mattress there or you can clearly tell he hasn't been. Yeah, but that's better than someone actually almost fucking dying, isn't it? And people are out here saying, oh, all these snowflakes, they don't like it because, you know, oh, how did they get through the attitude era? The difference is, mate, that this legitimately could have fucking ended his life or his career at least. He's very fucking lucky. Matt Hardy. And the fact that he's taking these bumps when he's in his move is stupid. It is not needed. His head comes smashing into the concrete. It was a horrible fucking image. It was a horrible viewpoint. The referee, Audrey, does a wonderful job as always. Immediately throws this match out. Throws up an X. Then we're told, now obviously I can't confirm this. There are just sources running around and the dirt cheese going mad about it. And there's a lot of backlash. And rightfully so. You know, apparently Matt Hardy's like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, I can crack on, I can go ahead, let's just get a finish out of this, because obviously I'm meant to win this match, and if I don't, obviously I need to quit, and it's going to really put, you know, a, a really put um, creative, who are frankly are doing a horrible job as it is, it's going to put them in a real awkward position, because how do you bring Matt Hardy back from this when a match has been thrown out? So, I admire... You know, his strength and his passion and his ability. He's like, no, I need to go back out there. But that is not a decision he is allowed to make. It's not a decision he should make. People were out here saying, oh, well, you know, he could have made that decision for himself. He's an adult. No. Absolutely not. Yes, he's an adult. Yes, he's, you know, he's a grown man. He can make his own decisions. But when he is clearly fucked 
and possibly could have a severe brain injury. You could have... You don't fuck around with the brain, okay? You only get one of those. And if it gets a bleed or a fucking aneurysm... My mum, for instance, had a brain hemorrhage. That's not something to be fucking trifled with. You don't fuck with your brain. It is a very delicate and intricate fucking organ. And, you know, AEW fans are a fucking joke at this point. You anger me beyond belief. Because those same fucking hypocrites, those same snowflakes I was talking about earlier, have the fucking audacity to try and pretend or comb this over. Oh, well, you know, it's it's not fantastic, but at least there's this or this. There's no fucking butts here. You should be fucking appalled. Because if WWE did this, oh my god, you'd lose your fucking mind. You'd be furious. Can you imagine the rage of it all? <gasps> WWE, oh, they don't care about their tests. I see you fucking twats on social media all the time. Oh, I thought Matt Riddle's disgusting. This person's a fucking nonce. Whatever it might be. Fine, if you're going to bring that energy. But you fucking bring that energy all the time. You don't turn a blind eye to a man being shanked just so you can enjoy another man being shanked. That's not how things work in this world. And you should be disgusted with the way AEW handles And AEW, and especially Tony Khan, should be fined. And they should be fucking disciplined for this. Because they put somebody's life at risk. They put an individual and a performer's health at risk. What kind of self-respecting doctor goes, Okay, fair enough. This is the kind of shit that makes wrestling so disrespected. This is the kind of shit that makes people think, <laughs> fucking, you know, wrestling, it's a joke, innit? They're all a bit fucking mental. This is why people don't fucking respect wrestling. You got all these problems, all these fucking toxic, horrible things coming out about things like speaking out. You know, Vince McMahon being a cunt, the dictatorship, the fucking carny bullshit nonsense that wrestling has been engulfed in since time began. It is still there. It is still a fucking problem. This uber machismo that, you know, oh, I, I'm a man, I've got to finish it, otherwise I don't know. Fuck it, what you look like in front of the locker room. I don't give a shit if, you know, the lads aren't going to respect you as much. Jesus Christ, have some self-respect terrible and even if it was a work the match was shit anyway and the spot at the end Sammy Guevara goes plummeting <sighs> terrible absolutely terrible nothing nothing that happened here helped anybody or made the company look good Sammy Guevara once again has to take a fall and he has to take it for a fucking 45 46 year old man who's well past his prime let's be fucking honest who is doing dumb shit gimmicks that I like the broken stuff and I like the cinematic matches, especially the matches that he brought to prominence in Impact Wrestling as part of the Broken Hardys. But this is just one step too far. You know, Sam McGuire has taken a job. This is a horrible, horrible situation. Finding out that Matt Hardy needs to be rushed to hospital. The whole thing smells and it smells real bad. And somebody is going to have to pay for that. This is not a good fucking look. It really isn't. Um, There's not really much else I can say about it. But I was disappointed. (sighs) Thankfully the women are here to save me. I love women's wrestling. I love Hikaru Shida's title run. I I hate, detest the way the women have been booked. They get no fucking time. And I'm so sick and tired of women especially. Not all women to be fair. There's been some fantastic women with some fantastic thoughts. And speaking out properly about this whole situation. But the fact that even a lot of AEW's, you know, they're snowflake female fans. You know, and male fans as well. 
are willing to fucking just ignore how unbelievably disregarded the women's division is. It's like they're okay with it. They're just, you know, oh, how can you say the women's division is garbage? Because it fucking is. And as a woman, you should be outraged far more than I should. It's a problem that I seem to be more outraged about it as a man than a lot of women are. That's that's really disappointing. I'm not going to fucking shy away from that. At the end of the day, the women have been fucking completely disregarded. They are an afterthought. And these women had to fucking represent the whole company because of the fucking dumpster fire that opened this show. So it was up to Hikaru Shida defending her title against Fundo Rosa, the women's champion from NWA. And by the way, another thing, AEW fans, don't be out here constantly on social media saying, oh, I fucking hate WWE. Oh, I wish people would support other brands. Who's this Fonda Rosa again? Oh, only the NWA Women's Champion. Don't worry about it. Do some fucking research. Take your own advice. If you want to fucking act with so much privilege about being a wrestling fan, like you're some sort of fucking know-it-all. Oh, yeah. I fucking love wrestling. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm anti-WWE. I love all the other promotions, but you don't even know who Fonda Rosa is? Get the fuck out of my fucking way. Get out of my airspace. You should know who Thunder Rosa is if you love women's wrestling. If you love wrestling, I'm sorry, but you should. There's no excuse. NWA Power is on YouTube, man. If you can take the time to watch a load of shitty jobber matches on AEW Dark, you can damn sure go back and watch some fantastic content from NWA Power. It's pathetic is what it is. Jesus Christ. That being said... This is match of the night, and it's match of the night by a fucking country margin. How often do I have to scream that the women are better than everything else before you start paying attention? They were fantastic. Hikaru Shida is the workhorse. Uh, I think she's... I don't think she's as good as an Asuka or a Sasha Banks in the sense of that work rate that they have over in WWE. I think she's very close to that, though. One thing she does have is that phenomenal ability to raise the game of everyone around her. This was a great match, and it was given the proper amount of time. 17 minutes for a women's title match. That's how it should be. And something that was really telling about this match, not only the quality of it, was the fact that did you see all of the women's talents, all at the front of the barrier, all watching this intently, probably all sitting there wondering why the fuck they don't get opportunities. It speaks volumes. As good as it is to have Thunder Rosa in this company, she is beautiful, she is sexy, she is a world-class athlete, she's dangerous, she's got a great look. Everything about Thunder Rosa screams superstar. It really does. It's a matter of time before the world fucking sees how good that woman is. But what does it say about your women's division that you needed to bring in the champion from another company for anyone to give a shit? That's pretty fucking disappointing. Where is Nida Rose? Oh, just swanning around. Where the fuck is Tainara Conti? One of the best pickups uh, that you've probably picked up and one of the most underrated women's wrestlers going. Oh, she's just standing there at ringside. Where's the women who won the tag team division that you put so much fucking stock in? Diamante. You know, where are they? Ivelisse. Oh, they're, they're at ringside, just not really doing much. Where's Penelope Ford, who had one of the match of the year contenders against Hikaru Shida on pay-per-view for the, the women's title? Oh, She's backstage because her and Kip Sabian are going to get married. What? What the fuck is that? I'll speak about that in a moment. Do better. This match, brilliant. Fucking amazing. But I don't need to tell you that. You already knew this was going to be fantastic. I already... If you don't believe me, go back and listen to our State of Wrestling Address, the last podcast. I said this will be the match of the night. And it fucking was. You cannot tell me that any match was better than this. Honestly, I thought the only match that might be better was the tag team title match. I think this pipped that. It was excellent. 
I fucking love this match. What a marvellous, marvellous um, advertisement for women's wrestling that ultimately they'll probably forget about and give them, what, five minutes on this week's Dynamite? Come on. You... <laughs> Honestly, whoever's running AEW... Because I hear that old fucking Kenny Omega is helping to put the women's division. That probably explains it. Because you're doing a fucking shit job, pal. If that's the case. And the fact that these women went out there and had match of the night. If that doesn't scream at management and the people who are in charge of this fucking company that the women deserve to be front and centre, that the women deserve equal fucking time, especially after you spend so much time bragging about, oh, our women are going to get equal time, equal pay, we're all about equality here, and then, you know, what is it, a year down the line, not even a year down the line, boom, they've got like one match <laughs> that anyone gives a shit about, and everything else is all men, and that's fine, if you haven't got any talents to use, but you fucking have. You're insulting our intelligence. And the only other thing the women could get other than this world-class title match was some hot garbage cinematic fucking cancerous car crash AIDS fire dumpster that was the opener. Miserable. Miserable. It's funny. This was the biggest positive of the show, but it also shined the biggest negative, or one of the biggest negatives that AEW has. And it's only going to get worse all the time that their stupid, butt-hurt, leftist-sensitive fans completely kick off every time someone has the nerve to critique their product. Until you people take your fucking heads out of your ass and stop smelling your own fucking farts every five minutes, they are not going to listen. They are not going to improve what is could be one of the best women's divisions in the world. Instead, it is completely lackluster and forgettable bar two women who went out there and had a world-class contest. And by the way, Mr. Khan, you seem to be throwing money around like no one's business for all your buddies and all your stupid little elite friends. Maybe throw some money Thunder Rose's way. Because I tell you what, she's a bigger fucking star than any of them fucking clowns are. Pull your head out of your ass, mate. Ridiculous. You look like a fucking accountant as it is. Just honestly, do better. Um, eight-man tag team match. Who gives a fuck? Sorry, what the fuck is this doing on the card? This is supposed to be the biggest pay-per-view of the year. Once again, we've already had... Loads of front, you know, Young Bucks vs. Jurassic Express doesn't need to be on here. Big Swall vs. Britt Baker was garbage. Private Party couldn't even make the main card. Joey Janela couldn't make the main card. Matt Hardy jobs out Sammy Guevara in, you know, a horrific fucking injury match. You know, it's just so many things that are wrong here. And then you throw this out there Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares versus the rest of the Dark Order. And this is basically a device so that Brody Lee can throw a wobbler at Colt Cabana, who takes the pinfall. The one thing that's really entertaining, I think, about the Dark Order is that dynamic of Colt Cabana being like, hey guys, I'm all happy and bouncy. These are my friends. And they're all like, yes, yes, you're our friend. And just, you know, shielding him from the dark evil that they, you know, partake in. I've enjoyed that. And now they're going to throw that out the window because at the end of this match, you know, he's left there. And the, the only highlight for this whole thing for me, but there were two things actually. One was the way Evil Uno cared about Colt Cabana and was carrying him out. I was like, oh my god, that's so fucking adorable. That was wholesome content right there. But it was all about Dustin Rhodes here who put in a fantastic performance. This guy's in his 50s, ladies and gentlemen, and he's showing the rest of you fucking clowns how to do it. And that's good. But it's also terrible, because what it says is, hello, the 50-year-old guy is doing better than the rest of you fucking ass wipes. Do better. Fuck's sake. If you're Kenny Omega, if you're, you know, Hangman Page, if you're any of these idiots in here, especially those fucking finger-banging eejits, the Young Bucks, how you can honestly sit there and think that what you're doing is as good as Dustin Rhodes, who's out there fucking putting in performances like this, honestly, I'd be embarrassed if I was you. I'd be 
<laughs> I'm embarrassed for you. And then he cuts one of the best promos I've seen in recent memory <laughs> from AEW when he's told backstage you'll get a TNT title shot this week against Brody Lee. And by the way, he's a big unit of men. I'm excited about that. That's, that feels like a big marquee matchup. Fantastic stuff. But this is all a device. You know, we did this for Cody, who's probably going to come back and be like, yeah, fuck you guys, I'm joining, you know, FTR and the like, and probably going to make our new Four Horsemen. Whatever, don't really care. There was no Cody on this show either, and that's disappointing. He needed to be used in some way. He really did. He's one of your biggest stars, and he wasn't here. Um, This match, I don't care about it. As much as all of these guys can work, <laughs> you know, I don't give a shit. Matt Cardona, whatever. He's too busy getting butt hurt over the term jobber on the internet. So go and cry me a fucking river about that as that rider. Nobody gives a shit. Scorpio Sky, insanely talented. Lost in the shuffle in this match. One of just eight men. He's just another figure. He's just another guy standing there. He should have been the guy who got the win, really. Because he's the guy who could do with it most and needs the biggest push out of all of them. I like QT Marshall. He's very sweet. I like his thing with Ali. But once again, Ali, right, has been completely reduced to a valet. And a dumb one at that, having this stupid rivalry with Brandy Rhodes, who frankly can't work for fucking horse shit. Anna Jay as well at ringside, valet. Fucking what is what are you doing? Use these fucking women. Don't have them walking around as little pieces of eye candy. Don't get me wrong, Anna Jay, very beautiful. And of course, this is all capped off this shit salad by JR making this ridiculous comment saying, um, oh, was that a wardrobe malfunction by Anna Jay, or was that just wishful thinking? What the fuck is that, mate? What, you channeling your Jerry Lawler? No, I appreciate you went on social media and apologised, probably because he was told to, let's be honest. But it's just, it just, why are you saying it? You know, I'm not a snowflake. I don't get butt hurt by everything, but I also believe that women deserve fucking respect. I don't think that makes me a fucking leftist or a fucking a snowflake of any kind to want women to actually be treated well. And making comments like this, it just makes them feel demeaning. And, you know, you see all these guys on Twitter then afterwards, and, oh, I didn't see a fucking problem with it anyway. No, of course you fucking wouldn't, mate. Of course you wouldn't. Because you ain't going to be able to pull someone like Anna Jay. You ain't going to be able to have fucking have a beautiful woman in your life. So, you know, ultimately your cup size is probably bigger than most of them. So you think that's okay to speak like that. And it's not. It's 2020, mate. Grow up a little bit. You know what? I hate PC culture. I hate cancel culture. But I also hate this ridiculous uber machismo mentality towards women in 2020. We're supposed to have evolved and instead we're still looking at women like they're fucking objects. And speaking out, after everything that went through with that, these kind of comments cannot make the air. And ultimately, JR, right? He's been a bit fucking shit for the last few months. Thank God Excalibur is back. Because, my lord, they need him on commentary. Because JR and Tony Schiavone are too busy sucking each other's dicks. And Tony Schiavone getting butt hurt every time someone challenges him on Twitter. It's a shame, because he does add something to the broadcast, I think, Tony Schiavone. But they're just it's a stupid little boys club in that commentary booth. They need more of Taz. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Taz and Excalibur shit all over the rest of the commentary team. They are far better than JR, Excalibur, and... Tony Schiavone is a trio. And I think if you had Taz, Excalibur, and Chris Jericho on comms, it would be fucking money every single goddamn week. I think it's phenomenal. Honestly, as bad as AEW Dark is most of the time, I actually much prefer it because it's got Excalibur and Taz on it on commentary, and they're fucking great at what they do. I love those two as a pairing. I don't care about old man. And just because he's JR, and just because he is absolutely a fucking certifiable Hall of Famer, a legend in every sense, and he is. He's one of the greatest voices of all time. It, 
I'm sorry, but he has been subpar for this company for so long. But we're not allowed to say that because he's Jim Ross. And he spends more time fucking plugging his barbecue sauce. And again, I see these fucking marks on social media. How funny is it that he plugs his barbecue sauce? What? I'm watching wrestling, mate. I don't give a shit about your fucking barbecue sauce. This ain't redneck hour. Pull your thumb out of your ass. I can buy barbecue sauce down a fucking supermarket. I don't need you plugging it for me. I can make it at home. I'm not watching AEW because I care about grilling shit. Fucking hell, man. Pull your thumb out of your fucking sizable country ass. Unbelievable. <sighs> the tag team championship match. This is the match that I have my eyes on. This, for me, had to be legendary. Because, my God, the hype for it. They've built this well. They have. Absolutely, I think. Um, some things haven't gone down as well. Um, but overall, this felt big time. This should have been the main event for my money. Um, I would have been more than happy with it being the main event. Particularly as we found out that there wasn't anything that was going to you know, move the needle in terms of the main event itself. <sighs> FTR captured the Tag Team Championships. That's what I wanted. That's what I hoped for. It would have been catastrophic if they hadn't won this match. It would have completely destroyed everything they have. They have had the Tag Team Division hostage for the last six months having the belts on Omega and Hangman Page and bar two or three excellent world-class matches it has to be said one including with the Young Bucks who I'm not a fan of but I'm quite happy to admit that was a world-class tag team match it wasn't the greatest tag team match of all time and frankly if you think that you're a fucking moron and need us that but it was world-class nonetheless definitely one of the better ones but if you take those away this has been a this has gone on way too fucking long Hangman Page he's did you, did you know he's an alcoholic? It's worse than the dentist stick with Britt Baker. Every five minutes he's got a drink. He's drunk. Oh, he got used by FTR. Oh, they played him. Oh, we feel, Yeah, we do feel sorry for Hangman Page. I feel sorry for Hangman Page because he's in the worst creative possible that he's got to put up with them fucking clowns around him. The fucking douchebag fraternity that is the elite, which frankly is one of the worst and most overrated factions of all time. By the way, they're the reason that the Bullet Club ceases to, you know have any relevance anymore because they spent so much fucking time diluting the process you know oh we're a we're an offset of the bullet club and all this stuff it just no you had absolute gold with that and you know just like the nwo you just fucking ruined it by having way too many cooks in the kitchen this match was excellent all four of these guys are world-class workers i am so excited about the idea of hangman page snapping and becoming the singles guy that being said the end of this match was sloppy which disappointed me uh, they gave him two spike power drivers I get what they were trying to do Kenny Omega accidentally hits him with this whopper V trigger and then he's like you know he's trying to wake him up he's reaching out to him the reaction didn't make sense at the end if anything Hangman Page should have come to and snapped and just beat the fucking shit out of Kenny Omega but Kenny Omega comes across as a monster heel here because he's the one he's like he's the one who cost them the match and yet, he's the one who sort of lets Hangman Page fall to the floor. And he's like, oh, fuck you. You're useless. I've had enough of you. Now, we've had enough of you, mate. The best wrestler in the world? My ass. That's all I ever hear about is that Kenny Omega is the best worker in the world. He's the best wrestler in the world. He's actually not. He's not. He really isn't. You know, <laughs> um, I believe Pac is the best wrestler in the world. And frankly, Pac showed that by having the best matches Kenny Omega's had in this company, at least from a single standpoint. Um, 
I think Pac is fucking incredible. I think he's tenfold the wrestler Kenny Omega is. I said it. He's a far better... Pro- like, Kenny Omega is a garbage promo. He's a terrible promo. He's a terrible entertainer. He's a world-class athlete. I, at one point, adored Kenny Omega, particularly in New Japan, but that seems like that was his ceiling. I don't think he's translating well in North America. And, to be honest, the ironic thing about this whole thing is, this seems to be a real circle jerk for the elite. This whole project. Oh, it's our buddy's project. And yet... Somehow, Kenny Omega is coming out of this looking fucking boring and average and stupid and, frankly, a bit of a douche. He looks like a dumbass frat boy. He just... he does. He looks like a bit of a demented poodle out there. I don't know what's going on. They don't seem to have a fucking clue, and he seems a little bit clueless as to what he's doing as well. He's putting in great performances physically, but... Yeah, no. i got to say... This match was great. It was easily the second best match of the night. That being said, it wasn't nearly as good as I wanted it to be. And I'm actually a little bit disappointed. I didn't hate it by any means. I'm not heartbroken, but I am a little bit disappointed. I thought this was going to be five star. I really did. I've got to be honest, their match with the Young Bucks, Page and Omega, was far better. And do you know what this proves to me? FTR are one of the best tag teams of all time, particularly in the modern era at least. And yet, even they can't get a world, world-class match out of the Spot Monkeys. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I think Hangman Page with a different partner, this could have been five-star. I really do. I think there was there was a real clash of styles here. And when it was all said and done, I don't think they work together as well as people think they do. And I'm seeing people acting as if this is genuinely the... You know, they're, they're acting as if this is the second coming of and Ric Flair, you know, oh my god, did you see, what an incredible match, it was good, it really was good, it was an excellent match, Meltzer would probably give it fucking seven stars, because he, you know, finger blast Kenny Omega from any distance, but ultimately, I, I thought this was a bit underwhelming, considering it's the best tag team in the world, for many, and two world-class athletes, and one who has the potential to be a megastar in Hangman Page, if they do him well after this. Feels like they've thrown all their eggs in one basket, and that is the Hangman Page Kenny Omega implosion. And obviously, we're going to be leading to that. And I hope Hangman Page just basically goes completely radio rental and batters the rest of them fuck nuggets. Because I, I honestly feel like the sooner you can get him the fuck away from the elite, the better. Because from this point onwards, now it's now a downward trajectory for me, and it's taken way too fucking long. It's take, what, the better part of a year to finally get to this moment where they, you know, and in doing so, they hijack the tag team division, which has been booked atrociously. We've had two singles guys at the top of your tag team division, in a division that has the Lucha Brothers, that has Proud and Powerful, that has Private Party, that has SCU, that has Jurassic Express. You've got all of that at your disposal, and you put the belts on these two just so you can get over this rivalry? Stupid. Congratulations on completely hamstringing the the potential to have one of the greatest tag team divisions of all time. This is the most stacked tag team division I've ever seen. And yet... You completely sacrificed it just so you could get these two over more. And you know what? Hangman Page getting over is great fun, but not at the expense of the rest of the roster. Sorry, lads. This wasn't the match I wanted it to be. And I am thrilled that FTR are the champions, but ultimately, (sighs) slightly underwhelmed. And this was the match I was pinning my hopes on to carry the show. Um, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. In a Mimosa Mayhem match. Two words. Fuck off.
There you go, said it. I, I, this match was fine, right? This match was actually reasonably good. Chris Jericho is one of the greatest. I would argue he could possibly be the greatest of all time when it's all said and done. His work rate, his talent, his entertainment, his persistence on completely recreating himself over and over. He is truly magical. Orange Cassidy is a fun little project, but he's nothing more. Orange Cassidy is a good wrestler, very good wrestler, very athletic. But he is ostensibly a skinny-looking Californian douche. You know, like a bit of a skater boy. Uh, he looks like a kind of, it's almost like Darby Allen is kind of like the uber emo edgy version of him in so many ways they've got a very similar move set and the way they move and stuff like that uh, Orange Cassidy is a phenomenal athlete his gimmick is okay it's fun it is fun you know Orange Cassidy is the kind of guy if he won the cruiserweight title you know or even a North American title on NXT or something I'd be like no that's pretty cool that's pretty awesome that's probably his ceiling but here he is with probably the biggest star, the demo god, the you know the biggest draw. He's he's the guy, isn't he? He's the guy, Chris Jericho. I feel like he is their marquee guy. He's the guy you can put on the front and say, "Hey, we've got Chris Jericho." Other than Moxley, and they're surrounded by swimming pools with mimosa in them. What the fuck? What is this? You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and say, oh, we're AEW, we're about wrestling. We're not sports entertainment, we're wrestling. No, you're just as bad, if not worse, than WWE. You're putting out all these dumb gimmicks. The Mimosa match, the, the the bubbly fucking thing that they did where they gave them, you know, the bubbly waterboard thing. What the fuck is all this stuff? It's dumb. And do you know what really frustrates me? Chris Jericho can't have that many years left as a top entertainer and in-ring worker. And yet here he is putting the better part of three months of hardcore effort into getting Orange Cassidy over. While Jungle Boy, while Private Party, while so many guys like Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Even Darby Allen to a certain extent, although they've tried to push him a little bit. They all sit in the mid-card doing absolutely jack shit by comparison. While Orange Cassidy seems to be at the front of the line. Because apparently he's quite good at teasing Tony Khan's bollocks. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't get why they've put this much energy into Orange Cassidy and not the other guys. I wouldn't have so much of a problem if guys like Jungle Boy and everything were featured as prominently as they were. But they're just not. And I don't get this. And the fact that Orange Cassidy wins the rubber match and he beats Chris Jericho... By pushing him off the second rope to the outside into a pool of faux alcohol. You can't write this stuff. It's fucking stupid. It's embarrassing. I I happily pay to watch AEW Dynamite. I like Dynamite. I do. I love it. I, lo I look forward to watching Dynamite. Not that much right now. And this kind of stuff is what kills that enjoyment for me. What... I'm a 35-year-old man. I have a house. I have bills. I have all kinds of things to do. You know, jobs and etc. And, you know, I, I live an adult life. So, you know what? And I still like wrestling, even though it can be a bit stupid. It's a good escape from reality for me. But then I watch stuff like this and I just think, what am I doing with my life? Why am I watching this? You know, probably to entertain you motherfuckers like I am right now. Or at least trying to in my 
abject rage towards AEW, but do you know what? I've been so patient with AEW. I've been so patient with their build. I've been so patient, you know, it's been a year now, and I've sort of said, do you know what? It'd be, you know, give them time. Let's see what they can do. And there are flashes of brilliance, and you think, oh, yeah, this is the stuff that I want. This is the alternative, viable alternative that I want. But I'm sorry, people cannot honestly think that AEW is streets ahead of NXT. You know, Dynamite and... and no. I'm sorry. I think WWE has been a much better product for the better part of the last six months. I really do. I really believe that. And that's not... I'm not a WWE mega fan. I'm not an apologist. I'm not a brand loyalist. I just love good stuff. And obviously, it is subjective. But they cater to me. This match... What the, what the fuck are we doing with Chris Jericho? It's Chris Jericho, man. Why are you wasting him on a swimming pool alcohol match? Is essentially what this was. Not only that, it's got... Like, you can't even commit to the fucking gimmick. Because, oh yeah, they can win by pinfall or submission. What's the point of having the swimming pools then? What's the point? Like, it just... No. Also, just dumb spots that are so fake and so unbelievable. You know, he's got him up on his shoulders. Oh, I could easily powerbomb you into this pool, but I'll put you through the table by turning around and putting you through that first. Why? Just put him in a fucking pool and win, if that's the whole gimmick. You don't even believe in your own, your own gimmick. It's, it's dumb. It's fucking stupid. And Chris Jericho has worked his bollocks off to try and get Orange Cassidy over. The fact that Orange Cassidy has won, you know... What the fuck? What are you supposed to do next? He just knocked off your first and most prominent champion. He's just beaten him in a rubber match. 2-1. Congratulations. Now what is... What, you can't seriously suggest that now Orange Cassidy is, you know, the next big thing. That Orange Cassidy could be pushed as a star. No. Absolutely not. If Orange Cassidy wins the title, I'm going to laugh my ass off to the bank. And then I'm going to walk away. Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. I'm disappointed as well. Because... If you were going to try and push them in the way that you have done, you could have done it in such a better way. But you chose the awful sports entertainment tacky route. And I frankly think it's been a bit of a joke. And that leads me, finally, to uh, before I unveil a really nice surprise for you guys, actually. The main event. MJF versus John Moxley. And I was bold enough to think MJF was going to become the new champion. I thought he was on the trajectory. Instead, they have favoured his implosion with Wardlow over that, and I think that's disappointing. Uh, Moxley retains. Let's just say it how it is. Moxley's title run has been underwhelming and average at best. They put the belt around Moxley, and at the time, I enjoyed it. It was a good choice to have Moxley win the belt, because he is a marquee talent, so to speak. He's a former WWE champion. He will bring in a certain level of casual fans that other guys maybe may not. But at the same time, MJF is a juggernaut. He's the best heel in wrestling. He is easily one of the best talkers in wrestling. He worked his ass off, and I thought he delivered some world-class material in the build-up to this. The State of Wrestling Address, which is beautiful and ironic considering what we do. Um, the use of the lawyer. The guy who played the lawyer, actually, was fucking fantastic. You know, I liked the way he was abusing his staff, rinsing that poor woman for not smiling. Wardlow just standing there as this kind of monstrous bodyguard. It all worked. It all was classic heel fair. And it all worked so well because he delivered it and he believed in it so much. And the payoff to that is John Moxley, you know, ultimately having his best title match, I have to say. Since he won the title, I think this is easily his best match. Um, I would argue this might be his best match full stop. But when it's all said and done... MJF has his fucking ankles cut off at the final hurdle. And that's disappointing because the the heat 
the sheer heat and generation of interest you would get from having MJF as your champion, particularly the way he behaves on social media, you know, just completely unfiltered and uncensored in his behavior, you could have built mega heat as him as champion and had the potential of, you know, someone like Jungle Boy could have emerged and you could have built to this incredible moment where the face finally knocks him off after, you know, months and months of sheer contempt and destruction and domination. And instead, Moxie goes over him again. And Lance Archer will face Moxley next. I love Lance Archer, but I've seen this rivalry before. They've had this rivalry in NJPW, and it wasn't a barn burner there. And I've got no reason to believe, you know, that they haven't built Lance Archer up enough anyway. And obviously, that will come with time for him to be seen as a credible opportunity to be champion. Um, I'm just disappointed. Moxley, you know, we're going to get probably at least, what, another two or three months of this until full gear, which I think is next. I think that's in November. Um, You know, it's just more of Moxley, more of the same. And he's been boring. He's been average. I've seen people saying he's a Stone Cold cosplay, and he kind of is. And he's not a very good one either. His promos are alright, you know. His entrance is dumb. Why was he walking... It took him 10 minutes to get to the ring. Why is he walking down all those flights of stairs? What an image. Moxley walking through the stadium. What? No. 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 Can you imagine, right? You remember the shield? They used to come down. And I know that's part of Moxley's thing. It's almost like he's kept that identity. But can you imagine if the shield's entrance started in, you know, the parking lot outside? And they were like, oh, we're just going to walk through catering and then walk through here, walk through the concourse and then get to the stairs and walk down the stairs and get there. Like, you just, you just, no. No. God, this is a far cry from when he made that debut, I believe it was Double or Nothing, when he rocked up and, you know, gave the paradigm shift to Chris Jericho. Man, I I, I really was excited then, and I just feel like slowly but surely we're going back towards Dean Ambrose Moxley, you know? We're going back to WWE Moxley. With a little bit more edge, it has to be said, but he he just feels like... His WWE character with a volume turned up a little bit more. Not this fresh, exciting, you know, remake of the Moxley from the indies. It, it just feels plastic and boring and a little bit forced. And MJF is so fresh, so exciting, so talented, so young. And I'm sure he'll get the belt eventually. But, <sighs> yeah, I just felt a little bit flat. And that really summed up the end of this pay-per-view. It really did. Now, before I wrap it all up with some opinions, uh, we got a few opinions from everybody, um, but we got one very special opinion, ladies and gentlemen. As you all know, I have been lacking my permanent co-host for some time. Back in March, he became a father. I'm very proud of him. Steve Neal is back. Sort of. (laughs) Steve Neal was very kind to send in this wonderful soliloquy um, about... AEW all that now I haven't listened to it yet in full I've recorded it um sort of you know I've transferred it over and I'm just going to splice it straight in for you guys obviously I've heard it before this podcast is uploaded which will be within a couple of hours hopefully so hopefully you'll be listening to this on a Sunday night Monday morning to start the week the right way um or the wrong way (laughs) judging by my rage but this is the thoughts of the incredible legendary co-host so ladies and gentlemen let me introduce you to the thoughts of AW All Out, presented to you by Steve Neal. Hey man, just wanted to check in and give you a little couple of minutes review of my, or rant really, of my thoughts on um, All Out AEW's latest show. Um, 
I watched the highlights, not watching the whole show, didn't watch it live. Don't really do that with wrestling anymore. As you know, I've kind of fallen out with wrestling a little bit since the whole speaking out movement and everything that went along with it just really, like a lot of fans, I think, dulled down and diluted my ability to feel positively about wrestling as a whole. So I thought I'd sort of dip in, get the highlights, you know, thinking it's been over a year now since AEW uh, came into existence. We're coming up to the one-year anniversary of them of Dynamite coming onto TV. They've had a chance for these characters to really bed in and develop. They've had a chance for multiple storylines to be in place and to ferment, to work kinks out in their booking and creative systems, to put in prominent positions on the card, the best talents, to, to make stars, build stars, allow Kareem to rise to the top. And when you watch the show, when you watch All Out, the women's division is terrible. Not because there's a lack of talent. Like the depth of talent is fantastic, as good as there is in any promotion in the world, in my opinion, on paper. But, you know, they get no time week to week on Dynamite to showcase that. The showcasing of their women's division is embarrassingly poor. And considering all of their bragging and cockiness and arrogance that they had... Uh, early on when making the announcement of the promotions and all the promises they were making to the fans about how much better they were going to, you know, treat the women and, you know, equal pay for equal work and a level playing field and equal opportunities that Cody and the Young Bucks and everyone else associated with AEW behind the scenes were banging on about in the early days of the company before they started on TV. And it's been embarrassing. It's been shameful. Um, in the way that they failed to live up to any one of those guarantees or promises in terms of the way they booked and provided creative for their women's division. I think Britt Baker's doing a good job, and I think that we're seeing some you know, decent stuff from Penelope Ford, and Big Swole is you know, a, a talent who's doing a few decent things, and it's cool they've got Thunder Rosa across from NWA, to do kind of a champion versus champion type match. Great exposure for both companies. It's a cool link up uh, for both companies as well. But there's two companies, A, with the same fan base. You're not growing the fan base necessarily for, certainly not for AEW, although it might do for NWA. Um, and it's not like, you know, kind of both titles were on the line or it was a non title match. It was for the AEW women's title so again and this is the thing that you come back to the rankings thing that they've banged on about for you know particularly in the early days of how important and influential it was going to be and how it set them apart and how wins and losses are going to matter in AEW and you know it's going to be logical when people are in a prominent position you know you're going to have looked at them and said oh, okay I understand why they're there and they've made a mockery of it from, since very early on they fucked it up. They've realised that actually if you're going to produce a sport entertainment product, that having, you know, an overemphasis on the sports doesn't make sense if you're going to make the entertainment side of it work uh, effectively. And that's where you get Thunder Rosa comes in and straight away immediately is in the title picture. And this is a problem that AEW have had in the men's division 
with Brody Lee and Brian Cage coming straight into title matches for a long time now. Um, I love Hikaru Shida, I love Thunder Rosa, they had an amazing match, easily match of the night for me. Um, I expected it to be top two matches of the night, it was fantastic, <laughs> it's just, it's going to go back to Dynamite and that's going to be irrelevant. When the women get opportunities, they deliver every time and AEW continues to throw them scraps and they have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit week after week, pay-per-view after pay-per-view in rivalries that don't make sense or there's no emotional investment in because they've had minimal time to build it and it's just go out there and have a fantastic match in which there is minimal uh, emotional investment from the fans. Bad business. The other... Well, only other good match, fantastic match, to be fair, on the card was a tag title match between uh, Omega and Page defending against FTR and obviously new tag team champs, which is great. And I'm very pleased that FTR have got the belt. They've come, but again, they've come straight in, straight into the title picture very, very quickly. Um, you know, after teasing them in other directions, and win the belts. So again, it makes a mockery of your ranking system. doesn't mean anything. And again, you know, it's, it's furthering the storyline and is a further vehicle for the storyline between Omega and Page, and that's fine. But as I said to you um, yesterday, <laughs> to be fair, they've dragged that storyline out for far too long. It's a good story. There's nothing wrong with the story. It's just not everything has to last, you know... 12 months to be able to be told well. This story is something that could have been told very well and very effectively in half the time. It's a six-month storyline. It is not a 12-month storyline. Um, and that's a problem to me because, again, you disengage with it emotionally and you lose interest in it because it has no real momentum or steam behind it. Not the fault of, of either guy as a performer, but again, the creative backstage, it's just too slow. And for a company that boasted about tag team wrestling and you know, the emphasis is going to be placed on their tag team division again, that's just not true, that hasn't happened in the last year, they have failed to live up to yet another one of their braggy promises that they made early doors, that we invested in, that we believed in because the young bucks were at the heart of things that were happening so of course tag team division was going to be amazing. And we looked at the talents they signed. The best tag division in the world. Probably the best tag division ever. When you throw in the Lucha Brothers. You've got the Young Bucks. You've got um, you know, Proud and Powerful in there. And you know, you're know, bringing in Butcher and the Blade. Who are very, very competent. And you're bringing in you know, some Dark Order guys. Who are you know, very, very competent. You know, you're bringing in... Uh, FTR and adding them in, you've got best friends who are amazing, you've got Private Party who are amazing. What have Private Party done since beating the Young Bucks on like episode one of Dynamite? They've done nothing. They've done nothing. They hinted that they were going to build these, uh, you know, these two guys as stars. And then, oh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um... But it was a fantastic match, credit where credit's due. It was brilliant. You'd expect nothing less with the talents involved. New tag champions is right. It's belated, taking its overdue, taking the belts off of these guys. Let their single storyline progress, as should have happened a few months ago, which is where their strength is. Let's concentrate on building Adam Page then as a single star. 
um, probably yet again at the expense of building Kenny Omega as a star. The guy again that you made the biggest deal in the world out of when he signed as the biggest free agent in wrestling history. You know how in demand he was from around the world, from every major company. He had huge contract offers from. He turned out, you know, more money from WWE um, and big promises from WWE in order to come to AEW and join his mates. And what has he? You know, I know he's been tag champion obviously for a very long time, but he's done nothing of note. People who are WWE fans who have tuned into AEW to see what the fuss is about have tuned in mostly to see what the fuss is about with Kenny Omega, the guy who everyone says is the best wrestler in the world for the last three or four years. The guy that, you know, everyone on Twitter says, he's so much better than Roman Reigns, and he is. But he doesn't look like it from watching him, other than the fact that you can say, oh yeah, you know, he's super athletic. And he does things really, really fast. But, again, there's no emotional investment in him. So, it's just another failure of AEW. But the rest of the card, big fan of MJF. Got no problem with him being in a match with Moxley. The match is okay. The match is fine. But it's not brilliant. And that's kind of, for me, sums up Moxley's title reign. Yeah, it's alright. It's okay. But it's not brilliant. And Moxley is the biggest name, the biggest star, the most recognisable face in the company, along with Chris Jericho. And he has done nothing since being made the number one guy going over Jericho to, in my opinion, really grow the brand and make it better. Yes, he's edgier than he was as Dean Ambrose in the WWE. Yes, it's an upgrade on that period of his career, but it's not amazing. By any stretch of the imagination, it still feels he's very much operating within himself. I don't know. It's... It's fine, but it's not. It doesn't blow me away. And I think that's what I'm expecting from AEW, because that's what they promised. That's what Moxley promised. And it feels like they failed to deliver on that for any number of reasons. Lance Archer winning the Battle Royal is fine. Cool. Whatever. Didn't care about the Battle Royal. When you've got Billy Gunn involved in anything in 2020, I immediately lose interest in it. Matt Seidel you know, cameoed or debuted, not quite sure which one it's going to be, like, and again, this is what I look at with AEW, if you're going to say, you know, our big cameo, our big reveal, is getting a star who's, you know, kind of most successful platform in his career is Impact, you can say the same about Brian Cage, two super talented guys, but it doesn't, they aren't guys who are going to move the needle. Like, they're not guys who are going to push AEW onto another level. I don't think Matt Seidel is going to go on to do anything in, uh, in, in uh, AEW, sorry. He's not going to go on to any level of, you know, particular success. I just don't think he is. You know, he, he's a mid-card guy at best, and I don't even see him as a mid-card guy in that company right now. The Dark Order versus Natural Nightmares stuff was just... Awful, horrible. Again, I just, I don't need to see it. There was, there's people involved in that match who are very, very talented who I would like to see on another platform. I just, I, I just get so confused. I, I just, I don't understand the role of Colt Cabana. I don't understand the 
I really don't get the Dark Order gimmick. I, I don't think it's very good. Um, Brody Lee to me has been booked like crap in AEW since he walked through the door. He should never gone straight into a main event title picture with Moxley within a few weeks of debuting. That was stupid. Then he squashes literally local jobber talent and then becomes your mid-card champion. But then he's involved in, you know, that title isn't on the line at pay-per-view. It's kind of faction warfare. And I know there's a storyline making sense of it because of what he did to Cody, but it just it didn't feel like a blood feud. And it was a match that finished without Brody Lee getting the comeuppance and... It, it didn't really feel like it accomplished anything in terms of the storyline of the baby phases really avenging Cody. Like, it just didn't feel like that. It was... Yeah. It, it wasn't great, to be honest. And that's just kind of sums it up. Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. Two talents I like. You know, I thought the name of the match was fun. And... <laughs> It's a show and a promotion aimed at an older audience, a smarky audience, and it's a match in which the loser goes into a bath of orange juice. It's a match aimed at kids. Genuinely a match aimed at kids. It's not even a comedy match. It's a match aimed at kids. I just found the whole thing stupid. And I like both guys. I just, I just thought it was stupid. I just thought it was really, really poor creative and this is your blow off match from this feud that's going to send Orange Cassidy to the next level because you know in a best of three he went over Chris Jericho which is good looking but having this as your blow off match is stupid like the rivalry was really intense going into the second match in particular you know it was violent it was aggressive they were attacking each other you know Jericho comes to the ring with a baseball bat and he lost because he had to dunked in juice. Like, ugh. It's just really, really shit. Boring. I don't think it's actually going to achieve what it's set out to achieve in making a star out of Orange Cassidy, which ultimately is the goal. And again, I just come back to it just to finish off. What stars have AEW successfully built? They've capitalised on the fame of John Moxley, of Brody Lee, although badly, of Cody Rhodes. But what stars have they built? Kenny Omega's not a star. Adam Page isn't a star. They threatened to make Darby Allen a star, but haven't actually gone all the way with it. They threatened to make Sammy Guevara a star and haven't gone all the way with it. They had him lose to Matt Hardy. When Matt Hardy's a guy who's at the end of, you know, at a period in his career, as much as he hasn't done anything since he's moved to AEW, so he probably needed a high-profile win, he doesn't need to be at the expense of a young, up-and-coming guy. Like, a defeat for Matt Hardy hurts him far less than Sammy Guevara. So again, just bad booking in what was a really pointless, boring match. The, you know, the only emotional investment came from a botched chair shot again. You know, just pointless... Poor. Um, you know, it, it's not pay-per-view worthy for me. Um, so they haven't built Sammy Guevara as a star, and again, it's a loss. It doesn't bury him. Too many people use the word bury without understanding what it means. 
but it hurts him. It certainly doesn't help him. And if he's going to have a match with Matt Hardy, someone of that caliber, he should be going over. That helps him. And he's the kind of person you should be helping and you know positioning as the next big thing, which he's got the talent and the charisma to be. I should not be seeing, even in Jobber Battle Royal, I should not be seeing Billy Gunn on my screen. I love Dustin. I'm really, really pleased that he's been able to kind of find a new home. Love the kind of tail end of, of you know 2019 that AEW has given him. But I shouldn't still be seeing him in prominent pay-per-view matches in 2020. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be seeing him on TV every week. I should be seeing him on Dark every week. You know, putting over talents or working with talents to make them better. Working with younger guys, even if he wins, just... That should be the role for him at this point in his career. Not sneaking wins over the Dark Order to avenge Cody. <laughs> like, it's just... That's not the role that should be there for him. Um, Sonny Kiss, not been built into a star. Jake Hager, they've not capitalised on fully. Proud and Powerful have done nothing since they've gone in there. Lucha Brothers have done nothing um, since TV began. Since there was that big blow-off ladder match before TV started, they've done nothing of any note. I know Ray Phoenix picked up injuries and stuff like that, which has hampered them. Um... You know, pack they were fucking up before, you know, the pandemic meant that he couldn't be on TV anymore. They've not built one star in the women's division. They're threatening to do it with Britt Baker. They want to try and do it with Big Swole. You can see there's a, a will there. They're sort of trying with Hikaru Shida. They didn't do it with Riho. For me, they didn't do it with Nyla Rose, and that should have been an absolute slam dunk home run, easy to do. But they're not given the time. They're not given the opportunity. They're not given the mic opportunities. Um, you know, you're given one segment and one match a week to a whole women's division. You make a YouTube series about a women's tag division that doesn't exist. It just, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, they've got nothing for Ali to do when she's one of your most well-rounded sports entertainment talents in that division. You had her as a valet because she's hot which is actually extremely accomplished in the ring and a fantastic actress and performer as she proved in her impact career where she played a number of different roles very very well they don't have any established names in that women's division so they need to work harder on it to build the talent than they do on the men's where they have the established names with the wwe rob and they're failing to do that the young bucks don't feel like stars they're stars in their own head you know, they're stars because they're, you know, their backstage role and getting the company going. But on screen, what have I seen from them to be stars? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, just that private party. They looked like they were going to build them as stars, but didn't. Scorpio Sky, they looked like they were going to push him to the moon, build him as a star, but didn't. You know, Brian Cage is coming doesn't feel like a star. Brody Lee is coming, doesn't feel like a star. Matt Hardy doesn't feel like a star. And that's the problem for me. It's it's still inconsistent. It's decent, but it's inconsistent. And ultimately, NXT have been far superior for the vast majority, whatever the ratings say. You know, I'm glad that people are back in AEW. I'm glad they're backing them over NXT because I think it's important for wrestling. I think it would be great if they permanently stay on separate nights. I think that'll 
kind of ends this stupid wrestling war between fans and everyone can just get on with enjoying wrestling and watch both products. Ratings are going to improve for both products. It's only going to be good for both companies, both products and the talents involved, and ultimately for the fans as well. We don't have to make a choice. We can't just watch both. Um, you know, I think it's worked with NXT moving to Tuesday nights, AEW having to move to Saturday nights, and talks of that being a permanent move I think would be great, but yeah, just a really underwhelming pay-per-view overall, like the tag, as I say, the tag match was fantastic, which it had to be with those talents, and the women's match was brilliant again because of the talents, but no one has been helped by the build to those matches, and all the other matches on the card I thought were pointless, boring, or a bit shit, to be honest, so um, yeah, that's my review of All Out. Use however much of you that you want of this, buddy. Just snip it up and shove it in there. Um, hope you're all good. Everyone stay safe. Wash your fucking hands. And have a good one. There you fucking go, ladies and gentlemen. An audible return for the legend Steve Neal. Ah, oh, thrilled to hear his voice again. Some great points again, but what you... <laughs> What would you expect from Steve? He's fucking fantastic. And hopefully we'll have him back uh, at some point, uh, at least live. Uh, he'll be recording with me, uh, hopefully in the future at some point. But there's a little taster for all of you people who have had massive withdrawals since the Duke took his hiatus or began his hiatus back in March. And uh, there is a little bit of a, a little bit of a taster, an entree of the Neil for you. So hopefully you've enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. Um... Before we wrap things up, we did get a few opinions, a few little trinkets uh, splashed across our social media of what you guys thought. So I thought I'd uh, give a quick shout and ask people, um, you know, what they thought. Uh, to the social media we go. Now, of course, we've already had the thoughts of Steve Neal. Aaron Cruz, of course, a professional wrestler in his own right, and I highly recommend everyone checks him out and follows his social media. Uh, he felt bad for Matt Seidel, unsurprisingly. He's the guy that made me like wrestling. I hope he's going to stay on with AEW and not just a spot in the Rumble. Um, Cameron Anderson, also a friend of the podcast and a wrestler in his own right, and both these guys are such exciting, promising talents, ladies and gentlemen. I really recommend you check both of them out via their social medias. Uh, he says, not enough Ricky Starks. Succinct and honest, and as I said to you via the WhatsApp, sir, um, not enough Ricky Starks really could just be an overall argument for how I feel about life. Uh, Ricky Starks is somebody that I'm a huge fan of, and I really want to see more potential from him. Uh, moving over to Twitter, I asked people to uh, give me the highlight and the low light. Uh, the Journey Into Wrestling podcast says the highlight is probably the women stealing the show. The low point, not just for the show, but probably the entirety of AEW's history so far, was allowing Matt Hardy to keep going. It really is a bitter, bitter tasting moment, isn't it, as far as this goes. At ATX Caleb on Twitter, highlight furthering of storytelling, the low light Sidell's intro moment. That humidity is a killer. Yep. I've looked at that footage quite a few times just to, you know, have a look and see what went wrong. It looks like he just kind of slipped uh, as he goes to, you know, attempt the shooting star, press his right foot. Just it's something that could happen at any point, and it's terrifying to think that it's never happened before, and it just happened, to, you know, happened in this moment in his debut of AEW. So, 
it's unfortunate it really is and like i say i had a bit of a giggle but all in all very pleased that he's okay there was no real harm done because it was a big fucking bump to take when he slipped and came down off of that uh, at g-i-o-t guyot or guyot 81 the passing inverted commas the concussion protocol the passing of the concussion protocol sounds like crap no way it could be assessed that quickly does seem very interesting it sounds like damage limitation if i'm being honest from aw they're just gonna lie right through their fucking teeth to make sure that people don't really pay attention to that so yeah it just it just doesn't look good all in all for them and finally uh the great nick lempierre is uh, in contact the master of manator <laughs> um haven't heard from the guy in a while really pleased to uh, hear from him and he's a guy that you can always get in contact with via the british wrestling um seen at nick lempriere excuse me uh, if you do want to chat with nick and i highly recommend you do he's a very intelligent guy um very honest as well uh he said it's been fine to be honest but as fans it's easy to be brought down by the lows aka the piss break two fairy match the slippy sidell moment and the broken neck matt hardy moment um so yeah it's it's one of those things where <sighs> You know, he, he's always got a fresh take, Nick, and I see his point. Like, it is very easy to be brought down by these things, but ultimately, my wrap-up of this show... Thank you very much, by the way, everyone, for sending in your thoughts. It's always nice to hear what you guys think, and don't forget at WrestlePlug across all social media if you want to send us your thoughts. It's not too late to tell us what you think of All Out, because we'll be happy to revisit the topic on the State of Wrestling Address later in the working week. Um, Yeah, all in all, I thought this show was probably AEW's worst pay-per-view. I thought it was really poor. I thought it was really stupid. I thought it was tacky. I thought some of the storytelling was god-awful. Bad creative, bad decisions. There were some highlights. Lance Archer winning the Battle Royal is a good thing, I think. Um, I enjoyed the tag team title match. I think FTR getting the tag belts is so crucial. That adds a lot more prestige and reliability to it. I hope. I really hope, actually, that they don't have that big money match that everyone thinks it is against the Young Bucks because ultimately I don't care there's no reason to believe that Young Bucks should be even slightly competitive against a team as good as FTR as far as I'm concerned hopefully Hangman Page is going to have the breakout now and be the single star that we all want him to be but you know I look at it I look at all the problems across this show there were way too many some of them were fucking outright disgusting they were infuriating. They were disrespectful to wrestling fans and an audience. I think the Matt Hardy thing leaves a really fucking sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I think AEW fans need to have a look at themselves. I think they honestly need to ask themselves seriously how far are they willing to defend this product over glaring mishaps and glaring discrepancies. Because they are a toxic fan base and they are just as bad as you know the general internet wrestling community can be at times. Twitter is a horrible cesspool of nonsense at the best of times, and they are just adding to it. They, I, I admire anyone who wants to be supremely positive about the product, but not, not at the complete, um, you know, the complete sort of negligence of people's careers, people's health, and stuff like that. And that's what they're doing. They bury their heads in the sand whenever something negative comes up. And I'm sorry, but the reason why wrestling isn't as popular as it is is because everyone gets fucking butt hurt by the slightest thing and gets butt hurt by criticism. And ultimately, if something's garbage, like a lot of this was, it needs to be told that it was garbage. It needs to be said and it needs to be aired out there. And the fact that AEW fans are so sensitive and so PC that they're willing to hide... Whenever somebody critiques their product, or oh, they're just going to be outright abusive, 
you know that doesn't speak well for your people skills that doesn't speak well for the general product and it means that we're not going to get the growth that we deserve from what could be a really special wrestling product so all in all if i had to rate this show i give it a four out of ten I thought there were a few highlights which save it from being a complete dumpster fire, but all in all, this was a bad show with some terrible matches, some terrible creative decisions, and some awful, genuinely awful and distasteful decisions made from a real-life perspective, mostly surrounding, of course, the Matt Hardy incident. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say about it. All Out is all out for now. Um social media of course ladies and gentlemen get at me at Aaron Next Design on Instagram um, remember that is an artist profile mostly uh, if you want to talk about wrestling so to speak then obviously your best bet is going to be at WrestlePlug but I'm always grateful for anyone who checks out my art uh, as I've said countless times before you can donate money to my artist page it's uh, paypal.me slash harbingerpw uh, if you do all donations uh, will receive a custom made piece of art because I hate the idea of anyone donating money to me for free and not getting anything in return. Um, but yeah, check out my art. Um, there is some fantastic news. Once I have it secured and guaranteed in my email, then we will be dropping some excellent news in regards, particularly for our international fans of WrestlePlug, because I know we've got a lot of you guys out there, so really excited to unveil that news later on. But from myself and from Steve Neal and his cameo appearance, thank you very much for listening to our review of AEW All Out. It's been a bit of a long one. I apologise if you're listening to this in parts, but hopefully you've stuck with us despite my abject rage that has been displayed. And trust me, there'll be plenty more of that if they continue to piss me off. Um, because we call it how it is. And if you're upset by that, don't fucking listen. You have a choice. But if you like it real, if you like it honest, and if you like a fresh opinion that isn't just going to cater to your ego, then this is the place to be. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you very soon for more content from the WrestlePlug.